Welcome to the Positive Spiritual Living Podcast, brought to you by Unity on the Bay. This is your positive path for spiritual living. Well, we've talked for several weeks now about the different ways, the wonderful ways, and they are all wonderful, that we celebrate the holiday season by decorating trees, purchasing packages. I know a lot of us have been really busy with social engagements and Christmas shopping and all the different uh, festivities that are a part of this time of year. And I love them all. I'm a real Christmasaholic. I think it's a wonderful time of year, and I think it needs to be extended. I know there's a lot of people that think it's too early when the Christmas decor comes out in October. It could come out in June as far as I'm concerned, and I'd be thrilled because I don't think we can have too much of an infusion of Christmas in our lives. But this year, I really came out with the understanding that I wanted to approach it differently. I'm having all the festivities, yes, but that's not where the focus of my concentration is being placed. I'm placing the focus of my concentration on seeking to have a deeper revelation and therefore understanding of the powerful message that was left to us by the one whose birth we celebrate on December 25th. I don't want to just worship Jesus anymore. I want to get up on my feet and walk the same path that Jesus walked. My friends, these teachings have been given to us now. 2,000 years they've been in our midst. And we look out into the world and do we see peace on earth? Do we see goodwill among all men and women? Do we see a life and a possibility that expresses that which Jesus told us was possible? We may see a glimmer of it here and there, but generally speaking, I don't believe we have yet understood the very powerful instructions that were left to us. And how could we better celebrate and commemorate the birth of this man, Jesus Christ, than to go back and start digging around in these teachings and find out what was he really trying to tell us? And how is it in some way that we have misunderstood or missed the mark? And how can we more accurately begin to live in integrity with this way of life? that promises joy and fulfillment and goodwill and understanding and peace. If we don't do it in this room, each one of us individually, this Christmas season, my friends, it will continue not to be done. And we will continue to live with the side effects of the instructions that we've been following that are erroneous, that are not true in their presentation. We need to understand this message and start getting it right so that we can live it right. And that's really, I think, the best way that we can celebrate the Christmas holiday. I think Jesus would be smiling if we all adopted even one of the many kernels of the wisdom of truth that he left to us. This morning I'm talking about the star of Christmas, and you know the star of Christmas, yes, is Jesus Christ, the man who lived 2,000 years ago, but at the same time the star of Christmas is the spirit of the presence of the Christ that lives, I guarantee you, fully in your heart right now in this moment. The Spirit of Christ is the spirit of the divine blueprint out of which you were created. And when you begin to understand that you are not a hell-born sinner, but rather you are made in the image and the likeness of the Almighty itself, you can start to live with a new identity. And my friends, when you redefine yourself, when you re-identify yourself, you change your entire experience of reality. It takes but one decision, and that is, to redefine who you are, re-identify yourself, release this preposterous idea that you are unworthy and undeserving and unfit to be on this planet. Recognize that God has created you for very specific spiritual purposes to play a part in the drama of human evolution right now. 
And if you focus on that and you begin to believe it wholeheartedly, it will begin to change every one of your relationships and every experience that you encounter in your day-to-day life. I guarantee you, change your mind about who you are and you will change your experience of daily reality. But it takes a strong commitment and it takes a strong understanding of this message that was left with us so many years ago. One of the many uh, privileges and honors that I have serving as a minister here is that I have the opportunity to spend time with a lot of you going through the celebrations and the triumphs of your life as well as the challenges and the difficulties and the tragedies. This past week I was, and I use this word consciously and intentionally, I was honored to spend the better portion of a day with two of our members and congregants here at Unity on the Bay, Chris and Alain Arroyo, and they usually attend the nine o'clock service. I was with them uh, way down in Kendall and uh, I was by the side of her father, Bob, as he was in the final moments of his life. And we talked about this man. Some of you know Bob and you know the Arroyos. They're truly remarkable people and they, they come as close to living in the model of the example that was left to us by Jesus as anybody I know. Chris shared with me the words that she wrote for her father's eulogy. He passed away um, earlier this week. And I wanted to share these words with you right now because she's a wonderful writer and I believe she captured something about her dad here that is important for all of us to hear. She says, my father was not a man who memorized scripture, but rather he knew the verses by heart. And most importantly, he understood them. He was a man who didn't merely love the Bible, he actually lived it. And my father found his own divinity not just by worshiping Jesus, but rather by following him. Jesus never asked to be worshiped. He asked to be followed. And if you want to have a resurrected life and make a positive difference in this world, get off your knees and walk in Jesus' footsteps. Instead of raising your hands in praise, use them to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to embrace those that society condemns, and stop using your voice as a clanging bell, and instead speak up against the injustices to humanity, injustices to the children of God, and injustices to your brothers and your sisters. Powerful lady and powerful words. Thank you, Chris Arroyo. And I thought I wanted to share that especially because she asked me to and and because it was so relevant to what I want to share with you this morning. As I say, 2,000 years have passed and we're not seeing the results that we are capable of seeing if we really get into the meat of what this great man left to us and understand it. First, let me say it has nothing to do with exclusivity. I'm not speaking this morning about the religion about Jesus Christ. I am speaking about the religion of Jesus Christ. We love to have people come on the planet, occupy time and space, receive divine revelation and live in integrity with it, and then we all follow and we all conform and we build social institutions and organized religions around it. That is not a workable situation for you and for me, my friends. We have to define our own religion. That is what unity is all about. And we do that by looking at the red letters of the Bible. What did Jesus actually say and how did he live his life? So it's not about him, it's him following the example and not the construct or the organization that was built around him. Very important distinction to make. 
I believe that we will not find a clearer rendition of the instructions that Jesus left to us than we will in the Sermon on the Mount, found in the book of Matthew and also found in the book of Luke. This morning I'm using the book of Matthew as my guideline to share with you or to continue sharing with you some of the gems of wisdom left to us in these powerful words. I will begin, as I have now for the third week in my presentation to you, by giving you the uh, 10-second rendition of the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it before, but it bears repeating, because if you get this, my friends, you will change your experience of life on this planet, and you will be contributing to peace on earth for the whole human family. Are you ready? Take a breath. Here we go. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, forgive the guilty, welcome the unwanted, care for the ill, love the enemy, bless the persecutor, befriend the accuser, pluck out the right eye and cut off the left hand, offer the left cheek when smacked on the right, when forced to go one mile, go two, give in secret, (sighs) relax. Don't judge. Don't do it to them if you don't want it done unto you. Curb your anger. Avoid looking lustfully. Pray privately. Pause from picking. Don't cling to earthly treasures. Learn from the birds. Stop toiling and spinning. Don't put your pearls on the pig. And seek first the kingdom. So that concludes my comments for this morning. All you have to do is uh, follow those instructions and you've got it. Now, it says in Scripture that after Jesus finished this Sermon on the Mount, everybody stood around in total astonishment. And a lot of us think they were astonished because it was Jesus, and it was these powerful... Maybe that was the case, but I'm more inclined to believe that after they heard this, they just said, what the... What did he just say? And why did he say it? Why would he ask us to live in that manner? Why would he ask us to do things that totally defy the logic and reasonability of our human nature? I believe it's because he knew that our human nature was the culprit, if you will. And that what we must learn to do is move beyond the human nature, the conditioning that the planet has given to us, that society has given to us, generation after generation, and begin to live boldly and audaciously in these teachings, living, breathing, tasting them, and expressing them in our lives. That needs to be our commitment this Christmas, and that needs to be our commitment every single day of the year. That's what we've been asked to do. And you know what, my friends? You're never asked to do anything that you don't have the wherewithal to accomplish. Right now, sitting in this room, you have the ability to follow these instructions. I encourage you, in the days between now and Christmas morning, get your Bible out and read the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew and start to understand what this guy was all about so that it's not just a theory 2,000 years later. It can become become our practice. So we started off on this journey of looking at the Sermon on the Mount as a way to change our lives for Christmas and also celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus. Three weeks ago, we talked about loving your enemies and praying for your persecutors. Anyone in the room this morning have an enemy? Ah, Be honest. Any enemies? Yeah, we have a few enemies in our life. Anybody got any persecutors in their life this morning? All right, all right. Thank you, thank you. Enemies and persecutors. This is the first thing. This is why they were astonished 2,000 years ago. He just said, pray for your enemies and your persecutors and love them. How in the world am I supposed to love people who are persecuting me? It's not easy. Nobody said it was easy. If it was easy, it would have been accomplished 2,000 years ago. We're still working on it. Because to our human mind, if somebody does us wrong, it makes sense, doesn't it, to fight fire with fire, be wrong back. 
They deserve it. And tell, I'll tell you this, if you've ever had the experience, and I know you all have, society will get right behind you and say, you're totally justified in giving that, you know what, exactly what they gave you. Well, we can go on playing that way for as long as we want, my friends, until somebody lays down the defenses, until somebody stops the war, until somebody realizes that this is a vicious cycle never ending until we make the choice for love. Not easy to do, but I encourage you between now and Christmas, think of those individuals who you feel have wronged you, those individuals who are bringing nothing but bad luck into your life experience, and you pray for them. And you ask to be given spiritual vision, spiritual eyes, so that you are not looking at what your judgments, your human judgments are telling you about the other person, but rather you are looking right through those appearances with great commitment. I am going to behold the Christ in this individual at all costs because I realize that in this individual I am looking at myself. There's only one of us here, my friends. Every time you cast a judgment on one of your neighbors, your friends, a family member, you are laying that judgment on yourself. And let me tell you from experience, it's a heavy way to live. You can barely get out. You're so heavy with judgment. And you think you've cast all these judgments on the world outside of you. You have not. You have cast them on nothing less than yourself. And you're making a burden for yourself, you see. So love, love, love your enemies and pray for your persecutors. Two weeks ago, we talked about lustful looking. And I told you I didn't think Jesus was talking about the act of adultery. I think that he was saying, get your mind off and your vision off of what you think everybody else has that you don't have. Get your mind off feeling like somehow you're not as good as anybody else. And if you just had your neighbor's success or your brother's family or your sister's wealth, whatever it might be, if you just had this, I reiterate again this morning, right now, in this moment, before you, you have everything you need to be all that you are being called to be in life. And when you're preoccupied with looking at what everybody else has and you're into the pity mood and the victim mood, oh, I just don't have nearly that much and I probably never will, you're looking at what somebody else has that you don't think you have instead of looking and appreciating at what is yours right now. If you look and appreciate at what's before you and you use it, then you will find your own success and fulfillment in life. So stop lusting after what everybody else has. Stop playing the game of being as good as the Joneses next door. And be true to yourself and recognize what's already on your plate that you have to work with. And then stop clinging to clay. What does that mean? Jesus told us, don't lay up treasures on earth. Lay your treasures up in heaven. On earth, everything rusts, everything gets old. On earth, in time and space, in the material realm, everything has a beginning and everything has an end. Everything in the material realm will ultimately leave you. So if you try to invest your fortune and your fulfillment in life in things of materiality, materiality is a wonderful playground for spiritual growth, but it is not a place to find lasting fulfillment. So stop clinging to the things of the earth. Stop clinging to the clay, to the mud, to the dirt, to the soil to the piles of dust that surround you and start building your treasure, finding your treasure within, in this inner realm, this invisible, infinite realm of spirit that lies within you. What a wonderful way to bless yourself and trust me, your family, your loved ones, and the world this Christmas. And this morning I want to, and you'll have to be here on Christmas Eve to hear the grand finale of all of this, okay? Because it's gonna extend right up until next Saturday night. But for this morning, let's look at the uh, seventh chapter of Matthew, first verse. Judge not, 
that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get back. How many people in the room have ever tried to do something that on some level you knew you were not born to do, but you tried to do it because somebody else thought you could, or maybe you thought you could, or maybe you thought you should? Let me share a little story with you from many years ago when I was uh, a newlywed and Children were just coming into my experience, and I didn't have any money. I worked at Unity Village as a tour guide, and I made like $2.75 an hour. So I had a place to live in. I had a roof over my head that I was renting with my wife at that time, and our children were on their way. And um, I thought, you know, this house needs to be furnished. And so I didn't have any money to go out and buy any furniture. I thought, I think I can maybe make a sofa. Not sure what I was on that night, but... Um, <laughs> and I think I can make a nice bookcase. You know, I think I can do this. So I went to, back then we didn't have Home Depot, but wherever it was that you go to procure a few supplies, and I started really diligently working. I don't follow instructions well, so I just thought, I can do this. I don't need to... I don't need to... Okay, so let's say the sofa had a limited lifetime, to say the least. It ultimately ended up becoming a sandbox in the backyard <laughs> for my kids. But the bookshelf, the first night that it was finished, looked pretty good. It was really tall. It was, well, the, the wood came eight foot, so I made it eight foot tall, which went all the way up to the ceiling. And uh, we put all the books and everything on it. It looked pretty good. And, and, and that night, we went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, <laughs> you know where this is going. <laughs> all of a sudden, there's this bam. And it sounded like thunder or an earthquake or whatever. So I'm up on my feet. I'm running into the living room, and this whole blessed bookcase had just fallen down onto the floor, onto its face, broken everything that was on it. The books were everywhere, and I decided I'm not made to build furniture. And I've never even tried to build anything since because I've had the divine revelation that I am not mechanically inclined. And I have great respect for people that are, but I'm just not there. Well, my friends, the same thing is true with you and me when it comes to the act of judging. We have no business judging, not because withholding judgment is an act of benevolence for other people. Well, I know you have a problem, but I'm not going to judge you for that problem because I'm a benevolent, Christian, good-hearted person. It's not about that. It's by recognizing that you and I are not made to judge we don't have the ability to judge because we cannot see the big picture. All we see is little pieces and parts of stuff going on around us. So it's not benevolent, it's dangerous to judge. Hear me on this, it's dangerous. It's not your job. There's an almighty force that created the universe that takes care of that for you. But from your little minuscule viewpoint of circumstances, people, and situations, you think you can judge. Think again, and when you find yourself in the throes of casting judgment on anybody or anything, stop right there in your tracks, my friends. You're headed down a road to ruin. You were not born to judge, you're not designed to judge, and you don't have what it needs, what you need to judge. You can't do it. It's an impossibility, so stop kidding yourself. Every judgment you throw out comes right back upon you. There's only one of us here. So when you think you know what's good for somebody else, instead, look at yourself, my friends. The next thing I want to talk about this morning is this. Don't put your pearls on the pig. <laughs> Don't put your pearls on the pig. 
you get a divine insight. Don't you love it when that happens? A download, you know, a divine insight, a revelation, an epiphany. Wow, wow, wow. I got it. And you want to go out and you want to share it with everybody, right? Because it's so amazing. And you know if it's going to help you, it's going to help them. Please don't do that, my friends. Don't share your pearls. Don't share your epiphanies with people who don't understand them or want them or appreciate them. I don't care how enlightened you think you are. If somebody needs to know something about the way you're living your life, they'll come and ask. And then perhaps if your intuition guides you, you can share with them the gem that has blessed your own life. But don't go out throwing your pearls on swine. That's what Jesus told us to avoid because he knew that everybody has to find revelation for themselves. And that revelation doesn't come from you or me. It comes from something that abides deep inside of them. Trust that. And your friends and family will appreciate you a lot more, especially at Christmas. Oh, I go to Unity on the Bay, and we receive the most enlightening messages. Can I just share that with all of you? No, you can't. You walk in the room this morning, so I'm free to do whatever I want. But at Christmas time, leave your neighbors and friends off the hook, please, okay? Because they're not asking for your spiritual illumination. Hard, hard as that is to believe. All right, the next one is this. Pause from picking. In the seventh chapter, third verse of the book of Matthew, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? What is this human obsession with needing to look at everybody else and see exactly what's wrong with them and what they need to do? And how is it that you, of all people, seem to know exactly what needs to be done to make their life better, to make them a better person? to make them a greater contributor to something on the planet. No, 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 no. Every time you see something that you think needs to be changed or improved in the life of another person out here, turn the finger back at yourself. You have no business plucking pieces of dust out of the eyes of your family and friends. And I know no one's going to have this problem over the holidays. You're all going to get together with your families. Nobody's going to be judging anybody. And certainly nobody's going to be doing any dusting. If it comes up, identify it. This is me trying to pick a speck of dust out of somebody else's eye while all the time I have this great log in my own. Do you hear me? You have no business picking dust out of other people's eyes. You can't see anything. You have a log that you have constructed yourself that is built out of preconceived ideas and ideals about the way other people ought to be. You don't have any idea how other people ought to be, my friends. I'm sorry, but you are an expression of God, but you are not the totality of God. So please leave these kinds of activities up to the totality of God. It's not yours and mine to get into other people's business like this. We can handle our own business, and we will be much more successful at getting the dust out of our friends' and neighbors' eyes if we get the log out of our own. So the moment you say, he ought to do this or she ought to be that, bring it back and say, how can I receive this as an invitation to cleanse myself of the log that I myself have constructed that causes me to be totally blind to what's happening in front of me? No business judging, no business dusting, and don't throw those pearls to the pigs. So we've been wrapping it up now every week that we've been talking about this. And really, check out the Sermon on the Mount, my friends. You know, we spend how much money? Uh, billions, probably, of dollars on spiritual consumerism. We're going after this book and this series and this whatever it might be. 
It's all right there. Ask for a divine revelation, a personal divine revelation of the content of the Sermon on the Mount, and then start reading it, and you'll find everything you need to liberate your life and to to begin to become an agent on this planet for goodwill and peace. That is what Christmas is all about. So as wonderful as those carols are, let's stop singing and let's start acting. Let's start living the life that Jesus invited us to live so many years ago so that we can change the sometimes ugly experience of the reality that we are currently experiencing. And it takes you and me to do that. You wouldn't be in this room if you weren't already prepped for the assignment. And the final part of that assignment is this. Seek first the kingdom of God. Say that with me. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means that at Christmas and every other time of the year, you ask again to have your human vision cleansed. Stop looking at everything through merely the reports of your five senses. Ask that your spiritual vision be opened so that you can see through the compelling experiences of time and space to the ultimate spiritual reality that is the number one anchor of the unity way of life. There is one presence, there is one power, it is God, it is good. It is working on your behalf, my behalf, and on behalf of the whole human race. You will never have that confirmed by your five senses. They will give you all kinds of contrary reports. But your spiritual vision can see it. And your spiritual intuition, even as I'm speaking right now, you know that this is the truth. You know that you are not the product of time and space and limitation. You know at the depths of your heart that you're made in the image and the likeness of God. So this Christmas season, let us begin to live out of this kind of integrity. When you walk up to that persecutor, you recognize you are not what I'm perceiving you to be. You are the Christ presence. When you see a fault or a frailty in another person, stop it in your tracks and come back and look at what you can remove from your own vision so that you can see clearly what Jesus is still trying to tell us 2,000 years later. God is good and God, Emmanuel, is with you. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Reverend Chris. I just smile in joy and in gratitude. Our ushers, as they come forward, I'm going to invite you to recognize um, that it is the holiday season, like you didn't know that already. Um, And I'm going to invite you to look around the room. Just take a moment to look around the room and look at the people that make up the spiritual community. And know that as you give today your love offerings or your tithes, that you are really, what it is, is a Christmas gift to this spiritual community, this Christmas gift to all the people that you see so that Unity and the Bay can be here so that we can celebrate, support, comfort, and inspire each other as a spiritual community. And so with that being said, and in that energy, I'm going to invite you to, um, if you have your love love offering and tithes prepared already, to bring them to your heart. Just take a moment and take a deep breath. And be fully conscious that in that love offering, in that tithe, in that gift, you're putting in your love, your joy, your gratitude, and all that you hold within your heart. For you are giving to yourself and to this spiritual community. And so in that, let us please say our love offering blessing together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I am, all that I have, 
all that I give and all that I receive. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Positive Spiritual Living Podcast, brought to you by Unity on the Bay, a spiritual community located in Miami, Florida. Unity on the Bay is supported by the generosity of its community. If you'd like to make a donation or learn more about Unity on the Bay, please visit unityonthebay.org. You can also follow Unity on the Bay on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for even more positive spiritual inspiration. Until next time, thanks for listening and many blessings. Namaste.